Thanks to our legal recruitment partners at Chisholm Clark for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Trust Chisholm Clark with your next career move, New Zealand's specialist legal search firm. Tēnā koutou katoa, haere mai, and welcome to this episode of the What A Lawyer podcast. I'm your host, Sam Lindsay, and joining me today is a very special guest. She's been practicing for nine and a half total years, with eight of those being in family law. She started her career in a small general practice firm in the capital, focusing on family and private client law, before trying her hand at something else and traveling to the UK for a couple of years. Returning to Tauranga, she picked back up with family law um, at Clark and Gay Solicitors, before traveling south to try in-house RMA and enforcement with the QLDC. Soon finding the call to the, bla- to the bay and the lure of family law too strong, she shifted to Napier, where she spent the next five years really honing her craft at Carlisle Dowling before taking on this exciting new remote challenge uh, at McWilliam Tyree. She is a voice of child specialist in the dispute resolution process, a court-appointed lawyer for child, and has even worked in matters of the central authority on behalf of the Hague Convention. Wow, what a journey. What a lawyer. Welcome to the show, Sarah Fisher. Thanks, Sam. Hey, well, look, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, Obviously, we've got a a couple of really exciting topics to discuss on the show. Um, But before we kick off, what have you been up to lately? Hey, all right. Um, So much like all the other family lawyers around uh, New Zealand, it's been quite busy with the workload. Um, Have had a couple of interesting files, um, had a file in the media recently, um, and yeah, just fighting the good fight um, and hoping to get some good outcomes for our kids. You're fighting a good fight. That's what we like to hear. Cool. <laughs> Before we kick on with today's topic, um, we obviously had a, a quick summary of your background um, at the start. Um, but for our listeners out there, um, would you be able to take us through a more detailed account of your experience in family law and, and where you picked up certain skills along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I always had a passion for family law, and I think that started um, as a child from my own personal experiences, um, but also when I was at law school and learning a bit more about family law, it sort of sparked my interest. Um, I I found it really hard to get a position as a graduate uh, working in family law, and for that reason, I started off in a general practice firm, uh, and it was basically doing a lot of conveyancing. So as you said, I made the move to Wellington for my first job um, and it was a really great sort of starting point, learning the basics of a lot of general practice areas of law. Um, And I was there for about a year, a year and a half, and then I did the classic Kiwi thing um, and went overseas to do an OE in the UK. I worked as a nanny, so I wasn't working um, in the legal industry over there, but you know, kids are equally as challenging sometimes as the law is. So I enjoyed my time in the UK, was over there for about a year and a half. And actually, while I was still in the UK, I got contacted by a lawyer that I knew um, and had met with prior to moving, who had offered me a position to come and work as a family lawyer in Waihi, which is not far from Tauranga. Mm-hmm. And I decided that it was time to get back onto focusing on my career, and I made the move back home. Um, I started working in another general practice firm, but majority of my work was family law work. 
I had some pretty amazing mentors at this position. Um, Rachel Taylor Tilsley, who I can't um, hold in high regard. She taught me a lot about family law, but also a lot about caring about our clients, but also the kids, which I think is really important in this job. Mm. Um, and I worked at Clark and Gay for about two years. That was a job with a massive workload. Uh, in our small towns, we've got a real shortage of family lawyers. So basically, you're getting slammed um, and getting a lot of experience from the outfit. Enjoyed my time there, but after about two years, I did get burnout. Um, and I think, again, that's a common thing for lawyers across the board, no matter what area you're, you're practicing in. Um, and I decided to take a break from family law, and that's when I moved to Queenstown and worked at the council, uh, doing a bit of RMA and planning law. So I was only there for, I think, about a week when I got contacted by Morris Casey of Carlisle Dowling in Napier, uh, saying that he wanted me to come and join the family team there. And I explained to him that I'd just recently started this new job, but we kept in contact and we built a good connection over the next couple of months and I decided it was time for me to go back to family law. Um, I just had that calling and it was always a massive passion of mine to act as lawyer for child in proceedings. Um, and that was something that Morris um, does quite a lot of. So I decided that I would take the plunge and move to Hawke's Bay after never being there. Um, had never even visited Hawke's Bay. So I got in my car and drove from Queenstown to Napier. Um, and I remember turning up on a day when it was about 36 degrees or something ridiculous and having to unpack my car with my worldly belongings. Um, and yeah, just hit the ground running. So much like why he, um, or even I would say probably more so, real shortage of lawyers um, in Hawke's Bay, particularly Napier. So there was definitely no shortage of work. Um, and I guess the range of work that I've done since I've been in Hawke's Bay has been unbelievable. Um, I, yeah, I don't think there's any words for it. Um, the experiences that I've had and sort of the files that I've been involved in. Um, and it's interesting talking to my now new firm, which are based in Wellington, um, and they've been family lawyers for much longer than I have. But on a daily basis, they're shocked by the sorts of things that we're dealing with in Hawke's Bay. Um, so I guess, you know, the different areas, um, there's different challenges. So, yeah, worked at Carlisle Dowling alongside Morris for almost six years. Um, over that time, I had my son, who's now 18 months old. So I did have six months off um, maternity leave, enjoying time with him. Um, and then obviously coming back from maternity leave and being a mum hugely impacted how I saw my job, but also how I performed in my job. I think things like realising how hard it is to be a parent is really important in this job. Um, because sometimes I remember I'd see things on files prior to having children and I'd think, oh, that's so terrible. I don't know how a parent could do that. And then since having a child, I, you get it <laughs> and you get how hard it is and you can see why sometimes some parents act a certain way. Um, so yeah, came back from maternity leave, just hit the ground running. Um, over the time that I was at Carlisle Dowling, I got appointed as lawyer for child um, and I was about five and a half years PQE when that happened, which is quite young, um, which was probably the greatest achievement I've had career-wise um, because it's something that I had always dreamt of doing. 
I love kids and um, I guess being able to help them and being able to advocate them is just such a privilege. Um, and that was a big deal because we got interviewed by, there was two judges, um, two family court coordinators, a cultural representative, a psychologist, um, wow. another couple of people. So it was like walking into a panel of the voice um, <laughs> and then answering all the questions. Um, but it was fun. And, and yeah, a lot of respect for all of the people that were in the room and the mahi that they do on a daily basis. Um, honestly can see why the judges get paid the big bucks because they deal with the big things yeah um yeah and so have been doing lawyer for child for a couple of years now and obviously as I'm getting more experienced I'm getting um more difficult and complex cases but I think it's kind of the reality of the nature of society now I guess um and what about the challenges the challenges that we're facing are so different now than what they were when I was growing up as a kid. Um, and what's readily available to kids these days is scary. Um, mm. So I think that makes the job a little bit harder, but there's not a day that goes by where something interesting does not happen um, in my work life. So, it, you know, it does keep it interesting. Totally. And so we're here to talk about the evolving expectations on family lawyers. So Sarah, if you were to look at all of that day-to-day -day business as usual stuff that you have been doing, what's something new or something else that is now also forming part of that family law repertoire? Um, I've also recently started uh, doing lawyer for subject person work, which is a complete change of pace from lawyer for child. So this is uh, acting for people when they have lost capacity and their family or friends have made applications uh, to act on their behalf in terms of their property or their welfare when they don't have a power of attorney. Mm -hmm. um, and so that involves going to a lot of rest homes and meeting with a lot of oldies, uh, which I quite enjoy because often you make their day by turning up to have a yarn with them, even though they've got absolutely no idea who you are. Mm. Um, so that's another sort of area of my work that I love doing. Um, and like I said, a massive change of pace to the um, other side of the family court when you're acting for parties or acting for the children. Mm -hmm. um, and then, as you said as well, uh, the Hague Convention work. So while I was working with Morris Casey at Carlisle Dowling, he is appointed by the Central Authority as a Hague Convention lawyer. Um, and I think he may be the only, maybe there's one other in Hawke's Bay. Um, so majority of the cases that would come through would go to Morris, um, which meant that working alongside him, I got to act on a lot of those files and um, work with him on those files, which again, you know, opened up a, another um, realm of experience. Mm -hmm. and also acting on the other side of those Hague files, so acting for parties once they've been served a Hague Convention application, um, which is a really, really interesting and can be quite complex area of law. Um, so I enjoyed doing that work. And then I actually got approached by yourself <laughs> a few months after coming back from maternity leave. Um, and I remember our conversation where I'd said to you, oh, you know, things are good. I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about moving. You know, I want to stay in Hawke's Bay. Um, and it was when I got told that the job was a remote position that it sort of sparked my interest. Um, at the time, I don't think I understood how a remote position would work in our area of law. 
um, because obviously we're always in and out of court, meeting with clients, meeting with kids, um, things like that. But decided to have a chat, um, and yeah, oh, I've been, yeah, I think five months now that I've been working at McWilliam Tyree, and again, um, absolutely no regrets. I've loved my time there. Feel absolutely supported, um, even working remotely. And so now, although my firm is based in Wellington, my work is mostly based in Hawke's Bay. So continuing to take court appointments um, and clients from Hawke's Bay. And then I do a bit of relationship property work remotely from Wellington as well. Um, and the odd Wellington file here and there, obviously having the support of everyone back at the firm if there were any um, appearances that were needed in Wellington and I was unable to make it there. Family law sounds like a very broad practice area. Now, how, I mean, if you listen to all of that, that you're taking on on a daily basis, there's obviously going to be quite a few challenges that every family lawyer from a junior solicitor all the way through to a senior is going to be facing. Are you able to describe a few common challenges that you've come across and, and perhaps, you know, some solutions or some way of thinking around them? Yeah, um, so I guess, you know, we deal with challenges every day, but some of the big ones that we're dealing with at the moment, um, I'd say for myself, based in Napier, one of the big challenges is Oranga Tamariki. Um, and I've got so much respect for the social workers and the work that they do because they are under the pump and they are trying their best and, you know, they want to help our kids. But the concern is, is that Oranga Tamariki are not always doing what they need to do to help our kids, which in turn means that when the court's involved, the court and lawyer for child are kind of having to lead the charge. Right. So I mentioned about um, my file that had recently been in the media. Um, this was one of my kids that I was appointed lawyer for child for, uh, 13, now 14 years old. Such mm -hmm. a cool kid. Um, honestly, best personality, crack up. He's an awesome young guy. Um, but he found himself in a bit of trouble ram raiding around Hawke's Bay. Um, and he, yeah, was, was quite well known by the police. What happened was the police ended up filing an application for a custody order under the Oranga Tamariki Act. Um, and then once I was appointed as lawyer for child, I sort of took over leading the charge. And um, Oranga Tamariki were saying at that point, we don't think orders are necessary. Um, and we're trying to get the whanau involved. That wasn't happening. Things continued to escalate. I ended up applying for orders under the Oranga Tamariki Act, which is a massive step for lawyer for child to take mm. um, and was definitely one that I didn't do lightly. I spoke to a lot of people um, about it and got a lot of advice before I did that. But made these applications. We got to um, about eight months down the line and we ended up getting the orders made. Um, and the judge actually called the media into the courtroom and I think one of the big concerns is because we're having to do the work that Oranga Tamariki should be doing. Mm -hmm. And it's just adding to our workload. It's adding to our stress and it's adding to the costs. can see that. Um, but yeah. So I think in terms of that, it's kind of sometimes we have to take those steps that you don't necessarily want to take, but it's going to give you the best outcome. And it's scary, um, but it's just, you know, taking your time to logically think through the scenario, what's happening, who should be doing what, and who needs to be doing what, and if they're not, who else can do it? Mm. Um, I think we've got awesome, so particularly in Napier, 
our judge, our local judge that sits here, he is amazing. Um, and I've got absolutely no doubts that he has every child's welfare and best interests at heart. Um, and he has been really, really great with lawyers. Um, he knows how busy we are and he knows that we're needing to do work. Um, that's probably outside of the brief that we're supposed to be doing. Um, so, so that really helps. Um, another part of sort of challenges, I guess, would be um, getting people involved in proceedings. Mm -hmm. And part of that challenge is there's not enough lawyers. So we absolutely need more lawyers in Hawke's Bay. And if there's any law grads out there listening to this podcast, please get in touch and I can point you in the right direction for who may be looking for lawyers. Um, we want to come to the Bay. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think, uh, again, Hawke's Bay, you know, it's a big, small town, I would say, and everyone knows everyone. So another really important thing is building relationships. So building relationships with other lawyers and being able to pick up the phone and having a chat to them about what's going on and what we can do to get the best outcome for everyone involved. Um, and obviously the children that are usually involved in proceedings. Uh, but the court staff too. So building relationships with the court staff and the registrars because they they absolutely make life a heck of a lot easier when um, you're able to give them a call and, and speak pretty openly about what's going on with the file and asking them to help you out, uh, again, makes a massive difference. Mm, you can definitely see why, right? Cool. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean... This family law practice area, you know, it has quite a lot of depth, and I know that we've only really scratched the surface here, right? Um, are there some other family law areas um, that you deal with or that others deal with in the same practice area that, you know, we may not have touched on so far? Yeah, um, so I guess there's lots of things that go on in the family court. Um, we've got other things, so adoptions. Um, adoptions are 99% of the time lovely files, um, and they usually have quite lovely stories attached to them. I don't think we get enough adoption files, but that is because of the legislation and the, you know, it's not intended to be used every day. Um, but when they do happen, they are like quite beautiful. I remember when I was a junior, uh, Rachel Taylor Tilsley took me along to a hearing that she had for one of her adoptions. Um, and the orders got made. And I remember walking out of the courthouse and she was on this massive high because she'd been working so hard on this file and she got the adoption order. And she turned to me and she had the biggest smile on her face and she goes, we just made a family. Um, and that, you know, that's one of those moments yeah, doing well, this well, job well, that I'll never forget. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, then we've got other areas. So I quite like a good paternity file. Sometimes I feel a little bit like Jeremy Kyle um, when we get those DNA results in. Um, so obviously getting DNA testing on fathers, if there's issue as to who the father is, um, you do get some interesting files. I think I had one once where there was seven potential fathers, um, oh. and trying to track them all down and get DNA testing completed. Um, luckily we found out who the father was before we had to go through all seven. Um, but yeah, that's quite an interesting area of law. Um, I think what else would be the big ones that we do? A lot of the work in Hawke's Bay is Oranga Tamariki, care of children, family violence. Um, and then, you know, you get little bits of other things here and there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're probably the biggest areas, to be honest. Cool. Thanks for that. I think we could probably open up another whole episode around some, some of the other areas of family law, because, you know, it's a bit of a rabbit hole. We could be here all day. Um, yeah. 
But look, we'll, we'll jump into our quick fire segment now, Sarah. Um, we've got five questions here that we ask every guest on the, sh on the show, the same questions. Um, and these are obviously the ones I haven't prepared you for. Um, so the first question here is, who is someone that you look up to and why? Uh, Rachel Taylor Tilsley, who I've mentioned a couple of times already, um, just because she, not only was she my mentor when I started practicing, she left the law and she's continued to be there for me. So no matter what's happened, um, she has had my back completely. She's helped me on files. She was working at the Waikato University as a lecturer. She'd passed me on research um, and she just keeps me grounded. Cool. Nice one. What is something that you do for you and why? Go to the gym. Um, and I think it's not only for my mental health, but just for, you know, getting some exercise and um, staying fit and active. But I think doing this job, we do do a lot of sitting down. Um, so it's important to keep the old bones moving. Yeah, nice one. Now, I'm not sure how easy this one's going to be given our, our, our whole conversation so far, but why did you choose to specialize in family law? Honestly, because I had an okay childhood, but there were parts of my childhood that I don't think were okay. And I would love to go back and help me as a child. So I want to help other children that are in the same situations. Powerful. I'd like to have you on my side, Sarah. That's for sure. Um, what is something that you wish law school had better prepared you for when entering your first role? The practical realities of being a lawyer, not just research-based learning, actually practically what you're going to be doing when you're acting as a lawyer. Cool. Um, are you able to just elaborate on that a wee bit more? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess when you're at law school, you're learning the law or learning about areas of the law. But when you're practicing as a lawyer, it's so much more than that. So obviously it's important to know what the law is, but I think it's almost more important to know how to build relationships with people, how to communicate with people, um, how to teach them what's going on and advise them what's going on. I think those skills aren't really learnt at university. And honestly, a lot of them do come over time. Um, I remember, you know, as a junior lawyer, I look back at some of the advice that I gave and I'm like, oh, I would never do that now. But I guess it's just the reality of it. You get more um, confident and more comfortable as you get older and more experienced. But I think if we could learn a little bit more about those sides of things, it would lead um, a lot of lawyers into a more successful career more quickly. Great. Thanks. And what is a piece of advice that you would give a young Sarah? Oh, um, try not to stress what will be will be. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've woken up in the middle of the night stressing over something that I can't change or do anything about. Um, I think you just have to have faith that you've made the right call, that you've got everything, all the ducks in a row, um, and that what needs to happen will happen because I find that although sometimes it's really slow, um, when it comes down to it, we, we, we do get the right outcomes. Um, so there's no point stressing about it when you actually can't change anything. Cool. Slow down and smell the roses. It's not a bad piece yeah. of advice, right? Yeah. 
well done and, and thanks very much for humoring us with those with those responses and and what a finish to this episode um but before we say goodbye uh quick thank you to our sponsors our listeners uh, our subscribers and our supporters uh, without you guys obviously this um this cool show wouldn't really be worth that much um if you have any feedback on this episode uh, please leave us a, re- a rating on your podcast app or email sam at chisholm clark um, so we can produce more of these conversations that you want to hear and a huge thanks to our wonderful guest sarah fisher uh, for joining us on the podcast and sharing her experience and the evolving expectations of a family lawyer what a lawyer wow sarah fisher thanks for being with us thanks sam well that's the end of another episode of what a lawyer which was quite interesting listening to sarah and the complexity and amount of work that she has to pump through in order just to scrape through it sounds Sarah's someone that gives everything you can tell um, and the children and her clients in Hawke's Bay and in Wellington with her firm are, are really lucky to have her so I'm really appreciative for her time and thanks so much for being with us and I'm sure we can all take something out of what we've heard from Sarah around family law and um, all the best to those junior practitioners that are thinking about dipping their toes and really cracking in to, to help the, uh, the children of Aotearoa.